This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Tim Benz, shirtless Tom here with you. Mark is out this week. He was in Fenway Park for the Winter Classic yesterday. We're going to talk about that. He's heading out to Vegas to see the Penguins play. We're going to talk about that too in just a little bit. But of course, we start with football. And the biggest national story of the day, Tom Offerman with me for the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And we're going to try to do what the internet and what Twitter is making nearly impossible to do. And that's to talk about DeMar Hamlin's health. That's to talk about DeMar Hamlin's status. That's to talk about the residual effects for the NFL and how they're going to handle it and how they have handled it so far It's all anyone in sports wants to talk about and should be talking about it, yet we're being made to feel guilty if we are doing so. It's quite the interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's almost always going to be insensitive just based on the timing of it. But all of the topics that you just, you know, laid out are correct and need to be addressed. I mean, the league has a problem on their hands here, for sure. They need to figure out what they do with this game. They need to figure out what they do with scheduling. If they're going to add a Week 19, like in COVID, to try to, you know, mitigate the fact that they lost that game last night. That that stuff that has to be done in a timely fashion. So, of course, it's always going to come off a little like dirty when you're thinking about that stuff, but you kind of got to get dirty in this circumstance just because you can't wait around for a while, unless you just want to postpone the season for a couple weeks. I guess you can do that. They didn't do it for 9-11. That's what I mean. I mean are they going to so... do it for as coarse as it sounds? They didn't do it for 9-11. Are they going to do it for one person? I'm not so sure that the league really wanted to cancel that game last night either. I'm not either, but I also don't know that the league understood at the time the severity of what was going on in the moment. Yes, of course. And I think as Stephen A. Smith said, and this is how wild and far-flung the commentary has gotten on this whole situation, is that I'm one that agrees with Stephen A. Smith about once (laughs) every four or five years. And this is the four or five year. Well, because I was agreeing with him 100% with what he said about the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph situation. So I guess this is it again. (laughs) Um, Scary. That's almost four years. Exactly. What he said was, you know, we have become hardened to seeing situations like this in that stadium. Yes. With a team that plays here in this city with one of the most liked players on that team and Ryan Shazier go into a ambulance, continue to play the game, and him eventually be able to walk again. So because of that, I think there was a process by which the on-field officials 
were doing what they knew what to do. They really don't have a protocol for something like this. It's never happened right. before. And let's keep saying that a thousand times over. Well, in 1971 it did. But, you know, in, in the network television age. Unprecedented, no doubt. This is, for us to all see, this is something that we have never seen before. So It's like an evil Knievel stunt gone wrong, and in right? the Twitter age, watching. In the Twitter age, if you do anything that is deemed to be a misstep and you're in charge... Yes. It's more important to yell at you than really care about the guy who's injured, and that's what pisses me off. I'm exactly right there with you. The need for everybody to try to assign blame somewhere is really nauseating to me, to be honest with you. Do I think the NFL mishandled this? Yes, I do. But it's unprecedented, okay, like you how, just said. How, how do you think they mishandled it? I what? do think they were going to try to restart that game in five minutes. Like, why did Burrow start warming up? Who told Buck and Aikman that there was a five-minute pause to try to, you know, get things ramped back up and then they were going to restart the game? Like, that's not a producer on ESPN just being like, you know what, I bet they start this game in five minutes. No, they Let's were told that. by Somebody someone, told I'm them sure, that. that it was probably that, well, I can't remember what her name is, I didn't write it. the woman that had the cell phone that was going back, back and, and forth. Back and forth with the uh, coaches in the hallway. I'm 100% sure it was her or someone on her staff that told Buck and Aikman, this is what we're going to do. But I bet you it didn't get all the way to the top first. But that's where the NFL... Uh, there's ways the NFL could have mishandled this. Maybe the top didn't say we're going to restart in five minutes, but there was a communication breakdown like you're trying to lay out where she relayed a message that wasn't concrete yet. Maybe it was just something they were floating around. Or, hey, in the past, we've done this. Is this app? applicable here. And- I could also see it as Sean Smith and his crew saying, we haven't gotten definitive word yet. The ambulance is off the field. We've got to do something. Let's give it a beat here. Un- right now, if you go through the pecking order of who's making decisions, unfortunately, those guys in the zebra stripes, they're not allowed to decide anymore if a guy got two feet in bounds. Right. They're getting overruled before they make a call. And so, now that's this guy so and that crew is supposed to make that decision in front of tens of millions of people? No, they're waiting for the earpiece thing. They were stalling. Yes. And they, they were doing what they do in games to give the league an opportunity to make the right call, which eventually they did, which was to clear the field. And that's the thing. In the end, the right call was made, yet everybody's acting like Rome was burned to the ground. Yeah, I'm sorry that the whole country had to see how the sausage was made, but what else were you going to do? It's like they were gearing up to get mad for them to restart the game. Then they didn't restart the game, and then they were like, we have all this pent-up rage anyway, so you you mishandled this. You didn't do it it the right way. So, you know, if if they were to have restarted the game, I think that would have been the wrong call. Yes. Optics, too, would just have been awful. And how did the players play after that? I mean... You're going to really go and tackle somebody over the middle of the field as hard as you can when someone just had that happen. But I mean, like those refs, tackle and just fell to the ground. Those refs, all they know is protocol. And they don't they don't have the power themselves to take teams off the field. And you're right. Their hands have been held more than ever. So if, if they if they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs, waiting for something to come from New York, my guess is somewhere along the way, there was a message sent that we're stalling for a little bit until we can make a decision. And I I want to address one other thing because this goes, this was happening before the ambulance left the field. People were saying, cancel the game while the ambulance was still on the field and he wasn't loaded into the ambulance yet. So let me get this straight, geniuses who tweeted that. You want to send a guy who's gone into cardiac arrest into traffic 
with 70,000 people Didn't think about that. leaving a stadium because you want the decision to be made by the NFL on your timeline that makes you comfortable. That's the most selfish goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. Didn't really think about that angle. But yeah, it's smart for them to not have that entire stadium because the stadium was full 30, 40 minutes after they put the postponement on the board originally, right? Not saying the game has been canceled for tonight. Right. Just temporarily postponed for now. You would also, have had a mass exodus. Not only would you have had the mass exodus, there was st- there was only six minutes gone in the game. I'm sure, and you know what this is like around Heinz Field. Th- think about this. The pregame has still not died down yet. I don't know if... Like, for instance, if something like that happened at Akershire Stadium, would the player go up the hill to AGH? Would they just burn it up the parkway because they're a UPMC sponsor with the Steelers? Would they go to Oakland? Right. I I don't know what they would do. But either way, at some point during the course of a game, the cops switch the traffic. The lights change. The the parking gates... Go from pre to post, yeah. Go from in and out. Right. That takes some time. They've got to know. So there's six minutes into the game. I'm sure there's still people coming to the game. It's a lot easier to make those switches when most of the people are in the stadium. It's a lot easier to say cancel the game when you're on friggin' Twitter as opposed to being in New York and having to think Dealing about this. all of the logistics. Being in New York, being in Cincinnati, the refs on the field, the coaches, all of it. So here's what happened. Okay, and this here's what I imagine happened in this time frame of they made the right decision to not tell people in the stadium. And by the way, you can't tell Monday Night Football and not tell the people in the stadium without word getting to people in the stadium if it goes out on Monday Night Football. Well, you saw that after he did leave the field and the ambulance was long gone and he was at UC already. They made the announcement on Monday Night Football that the game has been suspended, and they noted we haven't seen the stadium make the announcement yet, but everybody was leaving because of Twitter, because of notifications popping up on their phones. Right. So you've got to give chances for the medical personnel to get the ambulance clear of the stadium any egress from the stadium, you've got to allow the ambulance to get free of that before you say anything. So the NFL, think about this. How many millions of people said cancel the game at 920 or 925 before the, the ambulance left? The ambulance left the field at 925. They canceled it at, at 1001. That's 35 minutes. It felt like five hours because it was so terrible. But how crazy do you think it was in those league offices exactly. trying to solve what they're tr- they're probably ta- should have taken five hours to solve in 35 minutes? They're talking to the medical personnel in the field. They're talking, I'm sure, to the hospital that he's going to. to we prep saw them the talk to both coaches. They talked to both yeah. coaches. The owners of both teams were down there. I'm sure they're talking to other owners. I'm sure, you know, we don't have to talk about, okay, were they going to make the decision in 35 minutes what to do with the next week of football games? I'm sure they were going to tell Sean McDermott, are you staying in Cincinnati or not? And I'm sure Sean McDermott wanted to know. So, like, all this stuff is going on in 35 minutes. And people acted like it was a Tuesday night fireworks night at PNC Park. And you're upset because the the Pirates held the game for too long. Like, it, it, it was all about not necessarily caring about DeMar Hamlin. Caring how you looked on social media. 
And that's the crap that drives me crazy. Yeah, they were determined to make the NFL the scapegoat in this, no right. matter what they did. Right. And they succeed always because the Twitter mob always gets what they want. And they'll probably get me for saying all this. But, that you know, I, I, I was thinking about DeMar Hamlin the whole time, and I don't think a lot of other people were. They were thinking about how to get over on Twitter. Like, they're yelling, cancel the game, cancel the game, cancel the game. And Goodell's like, I'm, I'm going to cancel the game. It's, just it's, relax. Can, can we ten can minutes? Can I talk ten to minutes. both coaches first? ten minutes, and I'm going to cancel the game, okay? Yeah, like, they wanted to clear the players in the field. <laughs> oh, okay. So the 70,000 people that you have to keep in the stadium can see this with their own eyes? Yeah, just one player on the field. One player on the field getting the shot Instead of the wall around them, yes. I mean, like, so... You know, this is not what the gambling podcast is normally about, but I mean, I, I had to vent a little bit about that because when it comes to talking about what's going to happen next from a football standpoint, because I'm not a doctor, I'm not going to speculate on DeMar Hamlin's health. They're giving out information once every like 12 hours, and that probably feels like a lot to them based on where his status is right now. Yeah, There's not much more that we can say about that, but the one announcement that we did get right before we pl- press play or record, excuse me, on this, is that the NFL has decided that they're not going to replay or resume Bills-Bengals this week. And as of now, they are not making any changes to the schedule for Week 18. Now, you might have heard when I asked Mike Tomlin today if he feels like his team can handle like it did in 2020 when they first won 11 games in a row with all those crazy cancelled. Remember, there's no team that was more affected by COVID cancellations than the Steelers. And they won their first 11 games. And I asked him about, you know, being, as he likes to say, light on your feet um, when it comes to those situations. And he said, I'm not expecting any cancellations. He must have known by that point. They had to have told him that. He was so confident and there was so much brevity in how he said that. And he seems so prepared for the question that my thinking is that the teams must have been informed that there's a a infinitesimal amount of chance that they're going to tweak the schedule this week. And it makes me wonder if they're going to go to the COVID protocol of, and they were preparing for this, winning percentage instead of Mm. everybody playing the same amount of games. Yeah, and I'd have to do more deep diving into this, but I, I really wonder what, if they called that game a no contest, Bengals-Bills, just said no forfeits, no ties, your records just stay the same, we pretend like that game never happened. Like, what does that mean for the Chiefs as well, far they might as, as the well number one seed is concerned? Uh, yeah, oh, you're probably right. I mean, well, in terms of, of... Of what that does is affecting the, the, the record and the matchup, so... Do the Chiefs kind of get hard done on? And again, this is where there's, this there's, is where you feel dirty talking about this because no of what way happened to, to him. Do this. I've done every permutation in every way possible. There's no way for a reasonable plan to be drawn up where someone besides the Bills isn't screwed by a result of what happens. Like the Bills are probably going to get screwed in anything that happens, unfortunately, right. because it happened to their team, a yes. player on their team in their organization and there's going to be somebody else you can come up with a plan that screws the Steelers you can come up with a plan that screws the Patriots you can come up with a plan that screws the Steelers Patriots and Dolphins but lets the Chiefs get away with it or you can come up with the other way and then the Chiefs get hard done by there's no way to do it it affects nine teams and and by the time you're done with who's still alive in the playoffs you're going to get down to six I'm kind of ruling out the AFC South winner because they're already that they're just going to be the four like that. That's the only thing that's not going to move right, here. Right, right, right. So everybody else is affected, 
And you got nine teams that will be figured out in six spots. The Ravens. Bengals and the Ravens, Tim. I mean, the Bengals now have to go through the Ravens, I think, because, again, I think this is going to be a no contest or they both get ties. They have to beat the Ravens to win the North, whereas if they just beat the Bills, it doesn't matter what the Ravens do. They don't have to beat their division rival that already beat them this year to get the North and get one of the home games in the first round. So they're screwed by this, too. They have to go through a winner, go home, not go home, but win or play on the road game against the Ravens that they maybe would have been able to avoid last night. So... We don't know what's going to happen. I, I guess what they could do is play Week 18, see what the permutations are, see what the impact is of who needs to be determined for home field advantage or seeding or whatever and say, is it important enough? And maybe let those teams decide. The league then decides based on that. or And then like you said, do you just push out the bye week and have a standalone game, which I guess they theoretically... Could do. There is no bye week though, right? Between the end of the season and the wild card round. No, 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 no. I'm saying push out the bye week before the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, okay. So push all like you said about nine eleven. Yeah, right. Push them all back, and then you just go from conference championship game to Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense because what what are you going to do? You're going to make the Bills and the Bengals play on a short week and then turn back around and play in a playoff game? You have to give them appropriate time. They're both in the playoffs. If you're going to play that game, they both have to play in the wild card round. Got to give them appropriate time to be 100% to play in a game. You want the best product on the field for a playoff. So maybe they do go the COVID route, get rid of that bye week before the Super Bowl and push things back because it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter. I don't see how that result isn't going to matter for home field, for the Steelers, for uh, how the Bills play the Patriots, for the Ravens and the Bengals, who wins the North. There's a lot of different ways it could shake out that it matters. So as it relates to the Steelers, and as far as their chances for what's going to happen, um, if you look at what lays out for them, clearly there was a lot of people watching the Bills-Bengals game because it impacted how the Bills might approach the next week against the Patriots. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll just take it from a, a percentage point of view or an odds point of view here since we're framing it uh, on the Bet Rivers podcast. But if you had done a parlay of just the Steelers and what other things need to happen for them, it was plus 358 that it paid oh. off. Which actually is not as much as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be at least in the 400s. If you went the other way to say, like, all three went against them. Are you, you're just talking about Week 17, right? No, no, I'm talking about... Week uh, 17 and Week 18? No, no, I'm talking about Week 18. Just Week 18, okay. So, so yeah, like, I would like to go in the time machine and Steelers do the- win, Patriots lose, and the Dolphins lose. When I made that bet, it was paying out at plus 358. Well, Tim, I kind of think it's going to happen. I think the Steelers are going to get in. I mean, I have no idea what to think about Bills and Patriots now. Yeah, because and now I bet you you probably haven't looked yet to see if that game is on the board yet for next week. I'm assuming it isn't. Well, if the Bills play, they're it's going to be before the Bengals game, so it's going to matter for the Bills no matter what. But how mentally available are they going to be? We still don't know what is going to happen with Demar Hamlin by the time that game rolls around on Sunday. Maybe that game doesn't get played on Sunday if things go south. Thankfully, it sounds like he's stable. Still in critical condition, still intubated, but things are trending in the right direction from what we hear, and we don't hear that much. But what if things go south? How do they handle that? How do they get focused to play a game that is absolutely necessary for them, where on the Patriots' side of things, it's a win in their end game? So, yeah, that's a tough one to read, but I feel like the Bills will beat the Patriots at home, and I 
The biggest thing with the Dolphins and Jets games with me is I go back and forth with which variable is more important. The fact that Skylar Thompson might be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins, and I think in most likelihood will be, or the fact that the Jets are done and they have nothing to play for, but hey, the Dolph- we didn't get to go to the playoffs, so the Dolphins don't get to go either. Like, if, what, what weighs more? In if any team there? is used to playing in meaningless games at the end of the season, literally it's the New York Jets. You know, they've, they have the, don't they have the longest streak of not making I'm the not, playoffs? Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's going to get close to 10 years now. So, I, I'm i leery of the Jets. I think the the Dolphins just having more to play for tilts that in their favor. Uh, my most likely belief is that, well, I thought this before what happened with Hamlin happened, but my, my premise was that the Bills would beat New England, that the Steelers would probably beat the Browns, but I didn't think that the Jets would beat the Dolphins. Then again, you know... I, it was a hell of a lot closer last year to the Steelers losing to the Ravens <laughs> than I thought it would be, and I can't believe still to this day that the Jacksonville Jaguars oh, beat the Colts. Much better chance that the Jets beat the Dolphins than the, the Jags beating the Colts last year. Much higher chance of that happening. Because if Sala goes into that locker room and says, screw the Dolphins, we don't get to go in, screw them, they don't get to go in either, that defense is good enough to torment Skylar Thompson. And don't you want to win if you're solid? I mean, you're trying to build something there, and you just went into the absolute tank at the end of the season. End with a win, end on a high note. So there might not be as much motivation there for the Jets, but I don't think they're completely you know, going to be in the tank. I think playing a division rival helps the Steelers in that cause. Right. Uh, I do think it helps. And as far as the Steelers go against Cleveland, you know, this is going to be another... 19 to 16 kind of game I think I feel better about their rush defense and where it is right now uh, based on what happened against Baltimore well that's all the games the Steelers win this year what I'm worried about is how many times does Deshaun Watson hit Amari Cooper because apparently you only need to complete nine passes and if three of them are to Cooper that's going to be enough that's what he got sacked five times so he only tried what 23 passes nine of them were complete three of them were to Cooper that gave them three touchdowns against the (laughs) commanders and that was enough and number one wide receivers just torment the pittsburgh steelers just absolutely torture them adams they did a great job against him maybe that's you know the sun coming up on they the didn't horizon. do a good job against uh, mark andrews no he's a tight end though so we got yeah. a little a little out there not a wide receiver but the number one wide receivers including amari cooper on thursday night in week three torment the steelers secondary are you betting on the pit panthers tonight I do think they're going to cover that spread. It's Five points? Be, it's going to be ugly and low scoring because yeah, it's, what's the it's under? Virginia, and that's what Bennett does. Probably like set it like 60 over under. I'm kidding. No, I'm well, kidding. But like that's what a Virginia game is, you know? Like It's going to be they're ugly. They're the 11th best team in the country when it comes to defense, Virginia. And, and they're the 11th best team in the country in ranking. Pitt's fifth best when it comes to offense. Fifth or fourth best when it comes to offense in the ACC. I love the under there. I think Pitt has been scoring at a higher rate than what I expect as the ACC calendar rolls around. Look it up. Let me know what it is. 127. Uh, under. I agree with that. I was going just... to say under regardless. This feels like low 60s to real high 80s, 50s maybe. Maybe. It's it's what the games are against Virginia in the Capel era. and This is the best Capel team that he's had since coming into Pitt, but... I've seen so many games through the years of, you know, Virginia has them to 12 points heading close to halftime. They just suffocate you on defense. I think Pitt's defense is okay to keep it close to that spread, but I think the under is your best bet in the game. What about the Penguins? When are you going to bet on them again? (sighs) 
I don't know. Vegas is a wagon too. They're play- the problem they're is they're going into a tough stretch of the schedule while the well, they team's do have Arizona next. I mean, even Arizona's won three of four, and they're good at home. But that's a little bit of a relief there. That is a weird home ice advantage, though. Playing in that college arena, it's almost for a team like them, it, it helps. That's them a like lot. Just, you know, th- that's why they don't have a home atmosphere anyway. That's why Pitt never wants to play at Duquesne. That's why Syracuse never wants to play at Colgate. Well, Colgate comes to the Carrier Dome and wins all the time anyway, but. <laughs> But it'll be crazy in there. It'll be pandemonium. So that's going to be a tougher place to play, but you couldn't have timed a worse stretch of opponents than going into the tank for the Penguins. Last thought on this for the Winter Classic yesterday. If you just told me what happened in the Winter Classic happened, I would have said, well, within the vacuum of that being the Winter Classic, okay. If you had told me that the game went the way that it went and they lost 2-1 to because of a third-period comeback from the Bruins, the way the Bruins are playing on home ice this year, like, yeah. if it had been you know, a typical Monday night in January, I would have said, well, what else okay. Is there, right? yeah. But you can't do that when it's the fifth game of a five-game losing streak after a seven-game win streak to allegedly erase a seven-game losing streak. You know, this is not the space where this Penguins team wants to or should be right now. They're supposed to be old and consistent, and they are not. Which is why I think it's time to scratch some veterans. I know Mark has been pounding his fist for that for a while now, and I get if you're Sullivan, you want to wait until the very, very last minute to do that, but like... Tim Dumoulin looked like a fish out of water on the last goal that the Bruins scored. Flopping around on the ice like he did... So Ty Smith plays whenever everybody's healthy instead of Dumlin. Ty Smith can't flop around on the ice like that, worst-case scenario. At least he's young and speedful enough that maybe he makes some more plays for you. Dumlin's got to go. Carter's got to sit down for a little bit. The old guys are hurting them more than helping them now with their veteran savvy. Borking gets off made a great point on the broadcast towards the end of the game yesterday when they said they've got seven defensemen dressed, the goalie's pulled, they got six skaters on the ice, and the defenseman that's out there is Marcus Pedersen. Why not go with six forwards then? Not only that, but like, was it worth dressing the seventh defenseman to not have Drew O'Connor there to be a fourth center, or at least, however you want to phrase it, a 12th forward, when Heinen and Kapanen combined for 12 minutes of ice time? Yeah. It's very, and they scored the goal! It's very bizarre how the team's being employed right now, or deployed, I should say, and with Pedersen being on the ice for that sequence, it's almost like, is your thinking there to make sure you don't concede the third goal or to have some sort of defensive, you know, backstop in case the puck leaves the zone and the Bruins start? Like, he's been your most sound defensive defenseman this year. Well, I love the under in that game and that hit. That so hit at least I got that one yeah. right. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us today. We will be back with you um, tomorrow for another podcast. We're sort of dancing around the schedule this week because Mark is out. He will be in Vegas and we'll check in with him. Uh, later in the week, I'm sure, on his show. I'm hosting uh, today, tomorrow on 105.9 The X. Tom is in on Thursday, and I'll be back from the Rivers Casino on Friday. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.